greetings from planet quarantine yeah Okay, anyway, sorry guys. I needed to do something cool. I am that bored. I found this thing on my computer. How cool. Anyway, so I am here to do your announcements this week in holographic form. You can't see how tired I am because I'm a hologram. <laughs> anyway, cool. So our announcements are the following. Next week, the 24th of July is going to be our last teens before like holidays. Um, so the 24th of July is the last Friday we're going to have like all together and doing teens. And then the next time we're going to have teens is after the August holidays, which is the 4th of September. So we're going to be on holiday from the 24th of July to the 4th of September. We're going to miss you guys so much, so much, even though I'm there in holographic form. Sorry, I just honestly keep looking at myself. Anyway, cool. So that's our first announcement that we're going on holiday as of the 24th of July until the first week of September, which is the 4th of September. That's when we will be back and ready. Um, so holidays mean that there won't be any teen sermons. So that means you'll be watching the same sermons as your parents, which is quite cool because, you know, we're doing a really cool series that side with Martin and Royden and all the pastors. So that's quite cool. Also, you guys are grown, you know, you should be going to like main church as well. Um, and then also, but we will still be doing TikToks. So you'll still be getting one minuters. I might test another background because there's one where there's a beach behind me. I might do a TikTok on the beach. Yeah, yeah. You must come to TikTok and watch. Yes. Anyway, so there'll still be TikToks every um I think it's every week. Yeah. Anyway, we'll still have TikToks. So you must come and watch those. And also your leaders are still available to chat. They still want to talk to you guys. It just won't be like church like planned and stuff. But your leaders will still be checking on you and stuff like that. And we're still available to, you know, talk to you guys and stuff if you want to. But yes, so those are your announcements. Holographic Tracy out. Hey, what's up? My name is Black, one of the youth pastors here at Christchurch Midrand. If you're joining us for the first time today, yo, shout out to you for being with us. You could have been anywhere, but you're here, right? So shout out to you, man. Uh, we are continuing in our series in the book of Hebrews. In fact, today is the last talk. Gareth did our second last talk last week. Um, hope that you've been following it. Hope you've been enjoying it. Hope that you learned a lot about who Jesus is and that you'll be praying in light of all the truths that God has revealed in the book of Hebrews for you. Uh, just want to give a big shout out to Leighton and Jabu for preaching for us during Outreach Week. If you didn't check those sermons out, please go into our YouTube channel and check those out. I, we still have a a lot of other cool stuff happening on TikTok uh, and Instagram as well. So check us out there if you haven't started following us um, and you just a hater. I, anyway, I'm kidding, but go follow us. It's pretty dope. We want to stay connected with you and we just want to continue just giving you truth and blessing you and giving you value that will really impact your life, not just for this world, uh, but for all eternity. Uh, so like I said, we continuing in the book of 
Hebrews, we're looking at chapter 3, verses 1 till 6. I'm going to read it as I'm preaching, um, just for the sake of time. So let me pray for us to ask God to lead us by his Holy Spirit so that we may hear him speak to us and not just necessarily hear my words. So please bow your heads wherever you are and let me pray for us. Lord, thank you that you are with us today. Thank you that you brought all of us together. Thank you that we have the gift of technology and that we could still uh, preach and we could still hear sermons. Uh, Lord, I do pray that as we preach and listen, uh, that you would really be guiding us by your Holy Spirit. Open up our hearts, open up our minds, help us to hear your voice, Lord. And whatever you say to us, Lord, in light of the truth of your word, that we may apply it, we may live um, in response to that, wherever we need to repent. Um, and I pray, Father, that we do so, uh, whether we need to be corrected, we need to be rebuked, we need to be trained, uh, so that we may be uh, holy and righteous before you, Lord. Help us. I uh, pray that you help these teens that are, are listening and watching this. And be with me, Lord, as I speak. Uh, whatever is truthful, I pray that it sticks wherever I come off short, Lord, because I'm just a man of clay feet and I'm weak. I Father, that you would not let that stick. So I pray for all of these things in your precious and wonderful and holy name, Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I, I just want to ask you a quick question uh, before we get into our sermon. God forbid that your house burns today right? or this week. Um, I don't want that to happen, but let's just hypothetically say it does happen. Your house is burning, right? And you've heard this question a million times. What would be the one item that you leave with? What's the one thing that you would take out of your burning house if it burns today, right? You're chilling, watching the sermon and suddenly you smell smoke and you see flames coming from the roof and you're like, I dag. Stuff is popping, right? What's the one thing that you'd run to grab and leave the house with? Would it be your phone? Would you want to grab your phone quickly because you can't survive without your phone? Right? Would it be that new pair of AirPods 2 that you would want to desperately just leave the house with? I don't know if you only leave with your AirPods, how you're going to listen to music if you don't have a phone. But anyway, it might be precious to you, right? So, yo, I'm not judging. Just take your AirPods, bro, and bounce with them. I don't. Uh, would it be a pair of Jordans, like Jordan 1s or Jordan 3s or Jordan 5 and 6? Because those are the only ones I like. Uh, would you run out with your favorite pair of sneakers, right? Is that what you would grab and, and bounce with? Um, or, or would you probably take like your favorite clothing item or maybe your makeup kit because you just cannot live without a face beat. I like you always have to have like contoured nose or whatever the thing is. Um, would you run up with your makeup kit? Is that what you're going to take? Or maybe you'll take your favorite book because you can't sleep without reading a page in your favorite book. Right. Well, let's be honest. How many of you are sitting there right now and have said to yourselves, I'll run out with my Bible? Right. I know some of you are, are probably like, yo, man, I, that's the first answer I gave because this is church. After all, this is a sermon. Bible is the right answer. Like, I don't want to be wrong. I, if, if that's you and you just said you would run out with your Bible just because you're at church and you didn't want to come off wrong and sound like you're not very churchy, then I think you would have done best running out with any of the other items I listed because it's probably not the best motivation or the right motivation, the correct motivation for you to even take your Bible and run out with it, right? Or 
you probably and honestly said, yo, that's the first thing that I'm going to run out with because you know how precious a relationship with Jesus is. You know that it does not matter even if I am homeless, if I don't have a house, if my house does burn down right now, it does not matter necessarily just as long as I have Jesus. And you know that you will find Jesus in the pages of scripture. Yes, Jesus is with us everywhere by his Holy Spirit. But he's especially with us in a very particular way through his word. God, God went through all the trouble of writing the 60, these 66 books, using all the authors and all the stories and life experiences of people and how God was just in, involved in all of that. And he leaves this precious book for us so that we can see Jesus, hear Jesus, meet Jesus that his Holy Spirit would be applying this truth to our hearts. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. Right? He applies the truth of the scriptures as you learn them. It's pretty dope. Is that why you would run out with a Bible from your house? Listen to what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 3 verses 6. Let me read it for us. But Jesus is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast um, hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Listen to what the author says, right? We, we show that we are Jesus's house. We are part of what Jesus is building on this earth. We are part of what Jesus came to do on this earth. If indeed we hold fast to our confidence in Jesus and our boasting in our hope, which is Christ. Right? If, if you would boast not about Jordans, if you would boast not about your iPhone or your Samsung or your Huawei or whatever phone you have, if you would not boast about your makeup kit or the clothes that you wear, if you would not boast about what, whatever favorite book that you have, but you would boast solemnly about Jesus, that your confidence comes from a relationship that you have in Jesus, that as you walk in life, you know that there's trouble, you know that things are happening, you know that there's COVID, you know that people are dying. You know that you're not immune to death yourself or sickness. You know that you're not immune to suffering. You know that you can get into all of these things. But your confidence is that you have Jesus. And if Jesus has your back, you are truly covered and you are sustained and you will see the end of this. And Jesus will come back one day and take you home with him where you will have your final resting place of peace, of joy, of comfort, of satisfaction, of everlasting just blessedness. You know that. Is that where your confidence is? Is that where your hope is? Is that what you boast about? Is that what you would beat your chest about? That my confidence is in my hope in Jesus. That my confidence that I boast about is Christ himself. If that's why you would run out with your Bible, yeah, kudos to you, man. Props, that's pretty dope, right? Because I would assume that there's two people I'm speaking to today or two groups of people that I'm speaking to today. One group of people, you are probably saying to yourself, yo, listen, I, I want to come to Jesus. Yo, I, yo, maybe I, I did like, yo, not think about this clearly. I'm like, you know, I want to grab my Bible as well because I want to be in a relationship with Jesus. But you want to come with all the other stuff. You don't want to let it go. When the Bible tells us, come as you are, right? Just drop everything. Come as you are. Jesus wants you, wants to have a relationship with you. But you're like, nah, you know, I want to hold on to some of my other stuff. 
Because I don't know if this Jesus thing is really going to work out properly. I, if I get there and it's a bit slippery and it's a bit whack and it doesn't turn out like the way I anticipated it to turn out, then I just want to go back to my old comforts. Right? You want to come to Jesus, but you're still holding on to your porn addiction. And you don't want to let go of it because if Jesus does not turn out to be who he says he is to you and he doesn't satisfy you the way you want to be satisfied, well, I'll go back to my old comfort. Well, I want to come to Jesus with my bag of gossip because if Jesus turns out to be boring and he doesn't satisfy me the way I anticipated him to satisfy me, then I just want to dig in my backpack and just start gossiping and talking about people because that was comforting. That was familiar. That was satisfying. People liked me because I had the latest gossip. Do you want to come to Jesus with a bag full of stuff that you don't want to leave at the door? Maybe that's you today. Or you probably belong to the second group of people I'm assuming is watching this right now. That you know that there's no space for other things when you come to Jesus. It's either Jesus or nothing else. And you're very aware of that knowledge. And so you are deciding, well, I'd rather stay behind. I like my old life. I like what is familiar. I like all the stuff that I'm caught up in. Right? I like living for the approval of people. I like living to please my boyfriend, girlfriend. I like worshipping uh, my education. I like satisfying my teachers and idolizing them. I like just living every single day so that my parents could think that I'm a perfect child. That's what I like doing. That's, that's the life I want to live. This Jesus stuff... Yeah, I know that there's not there's no space for all these other things that I'm carrying. So I, I I'm just gonna chill. Right, so you're just determined that you're just gonna chill behind. You don't wanna come to Jesus at all. One, you wanna come to Jesus with everything. Two, you don't wanna come to Jesus at all. Right? The point of Hebrews, let me remind you, is that Jesus is better. Full stop. Right? Anything that you would pin against Jesus, anyone you would compare against Jesus, Jesus is going to come at the top. Right? Kilometers. Right? Kilometers difference. Like gang loads of kilometers. Right? Jesus is always going to win. He's always going to come first compared to anything else. Why? Because he's the king of this universe. He created everything. He is the ultimate inventor. And everything else that we see, including me and you in this world, we are inventions. And we can never be better than the inventor. You try and pin your boyfriend against Jesus, well, Jesus will always be better. You try and pin your parents against Jesus, Jesus will always be better. You try and put your education against Jesus, Jesus will always be better. You try and put your Jordans, your iPhone, your clothes, your makeup kit, Jesus will always come out at the top and Jesus will always be better. That's the point of Hebrews. Jesus is better. And that's what the author wants to remind these uh, Christian Jews that he's writing to, that Jesus is actually better than Moses. That would probably have rocked the first century Jewish mind. How can you say that gee, anyone is better than Moses? How could you say that? Moses is the greatest prophet we know. Moses is the dude who gave us the law. Moses is the dude who rescued our forefathers from, from slavery in Egypt. Who is better than Moses? Are you buck? Are you nuts? How can you pin anyone against Moses? Moses is the guy. And here he's saying, no, 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 no. Listen, Jesus is actually better. And that's the point that he labors in chapter 3 to show us how Jesus is actually better than Moses. Was Moses not a good prophet? No, he was. Was Moses a false prophet? No, he wasn't. Moses was a cool guy. I, yo, praise God for all that God did through Moses. 
But the point of Hebrews chapter 3 is that Moses is not Jesus. That's the point. He's cool. He's dope. He did a lot of amazing things. But the point is, he's not Jesus. Jesus is better. Jesus is far better than Moses. Alright? Let me tell you something today. If it is not Jesus, then it will not fill you the way you want it to fill you. We all have a vacuum in our hearts and our soul that can only be filled by God. It's a, it's a, it's a God-shaped vacuum, many theologians call it. Right? Why? Because only God can fill that vacuum. You know there's an emptiness in you and you try and fill it with, with friends. You try and fill it with all sorts of stuff, with education, with clothes, uh, with, with lust. You try and fill it with lies, with gossip. You try and fill it with social media, with likes, with gossiping, with dislikes, whatever the case is. It will never be filled if it is not filled by Jesus himself. Right? If it is not Jesus, it will not comfort you the way you want it to comfort you. If it is not Jesus, it will not satisfy you the way you want it to satisfy you. If it is not Jesus, it will not complete you the way you think it will complete you. If it's not Jesus, it's nothing else. It's Jesus plus zero. Jesus plus nothing. It's Jesus Full stop. Why? Because Jesus is better. Full stop. That's it. And so I want us to walk through this passage today uh, using three points. The first point is consider Jesus because that's what the author tells these uh, Christian Jews to do. Consider Jesus. I want us to consider Jesus. What does that mean? It means think about Jesus. Fill your mind with Jesus. If you're a Christian and you're watching this, remember all the truths about Jesus. When you are trying, or rather when you're even tempted to try and pin anything against Jesus. If you're not a Christian, well, it is a good day for you today to consider Jesus. Consider Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Consider Jesus as the ultimate. Secondly, Jesus is counted worthy. We're going to see why Jesus is counted more worthy, more glorious, more honorable than Moses. And lastly... What should we do? What should these Jewish Christians do? Well, they should hold fast to the confidence that is in Jesus. Hold fast and boast like verses 6 told us about their hope in Jesus. And I want you to hold fast to that. Cling on to it tightly. Hold fast to the confidence that Jesus gives you. And the boasting that you have should be a boasting in the hope of Christ. So let's jump straight into the first point. Consider Jesus. Read with me verses 1 till 2. Listen to what it says. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Verse 2. Who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. So there's three things that we see there. How are we supposed to consider Jesus? Well, in three ways. Consider his apostleship. We see that he says that in verses 1. Consider his high priestly office. He says that in verses 1 as well. And lastly, he says, consider his faithfulness. He says that in verses 2. So how do we consider Jesus? Well, in three ways. One, his apostleship. Secondly, his high priestly office. And lastly, his faithfulness. 
So let's look at what apostleship means. We've all heard people call themselves apostle. We've read about the apostles in the Bible. But the word apostle basically means somebody who is sent. So what are we supposed to consider uh, with Jesus as an apostle? Well, consider that Jesus is sent sent to earth by God. Consider that in eternity past when God was making a plan to save you. If you read Ephesians chapter 1, you see that before the foundations of the earth, God had already made a plan to come rescue you. And that plan is Jesus. So when God says, yo, we need to save these people, who's going to do that? Jesus had raised his hand before you were even formed and created to say that, send me, Father. I will go and save them. This means that Jesus left the splendor of heaven. He left the glory of heaven. He left the comforts of heaven to be sent to come on earth, to become like one of us, to take the form of a man, to humble himself and empty himself as Philippians 2 tells us. That Jesus, was, although he is God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Instead, he emptied himself out and was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's what it means that Jesus is an apostle. He was sent on earth for who? For you. He was sent on earth so that he can rescue you. He was sent on earth so that he can preach the good news to you. He was sent on earth so that he can rescue you from the kingdom of darkness, from your own sin. He could rescue me from my from my lust, from my cravings, from my lying, from my gossiping. He could save me from myself, from Satan, from the world, from the flesh. Jesus was sent so that he may save us. So that he may save you. Consider that. Have that in your mind. If you're a Christian, remember that truth. If you're not a Christian, think about that. Jesus did all of that for you. Jesus was sent for you. You might be feeling lonely. You might be feeling like nobody cares. No, listen. Jesus is not just a distant deity, a God who's not concerned about you, but he's a God who came into this earth, lived like one of us, breathed the same air that you breathe. He walked the dusty streets of Palestine, interacted with people. Jesus had a job, y'all. He was like one of us. Right? He was a carpenter. He knows what it is to be hungry. He knows what it is to be tired. He knows what it is to not have a place to sleep. He knows what it is to have people around him die. His friend Lazarus died. He knows what that pain is. He was sent on this earth for you. Consider that. Secondly, consider his high priestly office. The Old Testament, we learn of high priests. High priests would go into the, to the holy of holies in the temple to atone for the sins of people at least once a year. So people sin. I sin. You sin daily, consciously, unconsciously, right? Many, many sins. Every single second we are sinning. And so we would want to get our sins forgiven. But then people wouldn't be able to go into the Holy of Holies to ask for God to forgive them. But the high priest would go in. But here's the thing. The high priest would have to atone for his sins first before he asks for forgiveness for the sins of the rest of the people. And when God grants them forgiveness, then the high priest would would come out of the, the Holy of Holies safe, alive, and would go and celebrate with the people. Right? The, 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 the Bible tells us that, that the high priest had like a bell, uh, chain with, with bells, uh, on them. So when they go into the Holy of Holies, right? If the bell is still, if the bells rather are still, uh, going off, then, then we know that the high priest is alive and he hasn't been killed by, by his sinfulness when it, it comes into contact with pure holiness. 
But if he hasn't atoned for his sins and he goes into the Holy of Holies, on contact he would die because that's what happens when sin meets holiness. It combusts, it dies. And so they'd have to pull him out because no one else would be worthy to go inside and get him physically. So they'd have to pull him with the rope. Right? But Jesus, on the other hand, he doesn't have any sin. Jesus does not have to atone for his sins before he atones for our sins. Jesus does not have to come and bring a a perfect spotless lamb to go into the fields and look for a lamb that is perfect and spotless. No, he is the sacrifice himself. Consider the high priestly office of Jesus, the one who is perfect, the one who went to the cross, to the holy of holies to make this beautiful exchange where he gave you his righteousness. High priests couldn't do that. An animal had to cleanse their sins, but Jesus himself is the one who gives you his righteousness. Jesus is the one who gives you his holiness. Jesus became a curse so that you may not be cursed. Jesus is the one who takes the wrath of God and the judgment of God so that you don't have to take it. Consider his high priestliness. Consider that Jesus is the one who atones for your sins. Consider that when you are confronted with sin, Christian. When you are tempted to abandon your calling to be a holy person, consider the high priestly office of Jesus. Consider that when you are tempted to turn away from the the new life of light, of joy that you know in Christ, when you are tempted to go back to your old ways, consider that. When you are tempted to be like the, uh, the Israelites in the desert, when they wanted to go back to Egypt because of all the comforts and the desert was tough for them. But they didn't remember that God is the one who rescued them. They didn't remember that God part the Red Seas. They didn't remember that God gave all the ten plagues so that Pharaoh would let them go. Remember all the pain that Jesus went through for you on the cross. Remember all the anguish. Remember that on the cross, God turned his back against Jesus so that God can look at you. Because Genesis 3 t- tells us that God turned our backs, uh, turned his back rather away from us because we we're sinful. But at the cross, he turns his back towards Jesus and looks at us again. Consider all the pain that his one and only begotten son. Listen, Jesus was the only one and begotten son of God. His only father turns his back against him. Imagine how hard that is. Some of us know the pain of not having fathers around. Now imagine a perfect father, perfect son, perfect holy relationship and and God turns his back away from Jesus so that you may be grafted into the family of God. Consider that. Think about that. And remember that. If you're not a Christian, yo, consider that today and what that means for your life and where you're supposed to be. Lastly, consider his faithfulness. Let me read verses 18 of chapter 2. Listen to what it says and then we'll jump over to verses 15 of chapter 4. Verses 18, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Verses 15, listen to what it says. Um, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. 
See, this is the Jesus who is faithful, a Jesus who was tempted but yet was without sin, a Jesus who was tempted by by Satan in the wilderness, a Jesus who was tempted by many other things around him, the Pharisees, people around him as he lived day to day, but yet he did not sin. And he knows the weight of temptation. He knows the pressures of temptation. I mean, this is Jesus who is at the garden of Gethsemane and is praying the night before his crucifixion and is saying, Lord, if, if it was my will please I I would take this this cup away from me but I know it's not it's your will so I'll submit to it and and he's feeling the anguish he's feeling the temptation of just saying I don't want to go to the cross and do this but he actually doesn't fall he takes it and he takes the cross upon his back so that you may be saved and so when you are tempted verses 18 of chapter 2 tells us that he knows Consider his faithfulness and how he kept being obedient, how he kept at it. He just kept at obeying God and he was good for your sake. Consider that. Know that he cares for you. Know that he knows what it means when you are tempted. When you feel like I always have the struggle. The struggle is never going to go away. I always feel tempted in this one area and I keep on falling over and over and over and over again. Jesus doesn't get it. No, verses 18 of chapter 2 tells you that Jesus gets it. Really, totally, actually, factually, objectively, Jesus gets it. He's there with you. Verses 15 of chapter 4 tells us that he empathizes with you. That he's a high priest who gets it, who's there with you in the moment. So consider that. Don't fill your minds with anything else, but fill your minds with this truth. That's what it means to consider Jesus. The world is crumbling around us. We are anxious and therefore we come up with wrong solutions to fill our anxiety or to help us deal with our anxiety. If I was more pretty, if I was more rich, if I was more smarter, if I had doper clothes, whatever the thing is, those are wrong solutions that are not going to fill your anxiety or help curb your anxiety at all. But consider Jesus, consider these truths, and that's what will help you. Consider Jesus, who is an apostle, a high priest, and one who is faithful. Have a big idea of Jesus. I think the issue with with, with these uh, Christian Jews is that they had a very small picture of Jesus, had a very high view of who Moses is. And so the author is saying, well, you have it the wrong way around. Have a big picture of Jesus. Jesus is the author of all things. Jesus is the creator of all things. He's the builder of the house. Moses is just part of the house. Don't get it twisted. You need to have a big idea and understanding of who Jesus is. Because if you know that Jesus is big, then you would, you would not try and take the invention and put it over the inventor. You would always look to the inventor and say, yo, listen. You invented this world. You invented this person that I'm beefing with. You know how they work. You know how I work. You, you invented uh, uh, all of this that we see. So, so it's going nuts. It's going crazy around me. Help me. Go to the one who invented it all. He's the one who has solutions. Don't look to all these other things. Right, for the sake of time, let's jump over to our second point. Jesus is counted worthy, verses 3 and 4. Listen to what it says. For Jesus has been counted worthy more, um, or rather, let me read it. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of the house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Right? For every house is built by somebody, but the builder of all things is 
God. Again, this would have been buck for a first century Jew to hear. In fact, any Jewish person in any century to hear that anyone is better than Moses. It would be crazy, all right? Nobody is greater than Moses. He's the dude who gave us the law. Moses is the one who rescued us. Moses is the one who, who carried uh, us out of Egypt. He's, he's the one who led us to the promised land. Like, this is the dude. No one is better than him. Like, why would you even dare say that? But listen to what the author says. Moses is just part of the house. Jesus is the one who builds the house. Again, you cannot take the invention and put it against the inventor. It does not make sense. If you think the Yeezys are dope, you cannot take a pair of Yeezys and say to the pair of Yeezys, yo, I can't wait to see what else you create. That is nuts. Instead, you ask Kanye. You say, Kanye, dude, I can't believe you made such dope shoes. You're such a genius. I wonder how many more you're going to make. All right? You don't look to the iPhone and say, hmm, iPhone 11. I wonder how you're going to just transform into an iPhone 15. It won't. The inventor needs to make it uh, upgrade. You know, the, the inventor needs to create the upgrade. The inventor is the one who, 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 who installs the, the updates of the software. The inventor is the one who has the, 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 the control, the authority who's in charge. So again, we cannot look to invention to try and solve our issues. We cannot look to our boyfriends, our girlfriends, our parents, as good as our parents are to us. Praise God for parents. But they will never fill us the way that God fills us. They will never solve all our issues the way that God will. There's parts of your soul, there's parts of your heart that your parents will never get into. I'm a parent. And even saying that myself, I'm like, no, like I want to be there for my child in every single way. But I know I won't be. That's not how God invented us. That's not how God invented relationships. That's not how God invented the world. Everything needs to be satisfied by God. Because God is the one who creates everything. So look to God. Don't look to the invention. Look to the inventor. It, 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 is, it is the craziest thing that we would do that with our own lives. It's the craziest thing that we would do that right, with our souls. Look to God. Don't look to anything else. Look to Jesus. Because again, anything that you pin against Jesus, Jesus will destroy that thing by Miles by kilometers, he will always come up at the top. He will always come up best because that's just the nature of the world, the nature of life. He's the inventor. He's always better. He's always been better. So trust him. Jesus is counted worthy because he is the builder of the house. Last point. For the sake of time, hold fast to your confidence, verses 5 till 6. Listen to what it says. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. Verses 6. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Side note, very quick side note there. Right? Uh, the author brings this comparison of son and, and servant. Right? And here's the thing. like The Bible speaks of being a servant in several passages. In fact, in the Gospels, we are told the most glorious words that we're going to hear when we enter into heaven is, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Every Christian wants to hear that. God saying to you, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Right? Jesus says, If you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of God, you need to serve. So there's nothing wrong with service. This verse is not looking down upon service at all. 
But it is true that there's more glory in being a son. Jesus is the son of God and Moses is a servant in the household of God. So Jesus has more honor. Jesus has, has more say. Jesus has more inheritance. Jesus is a son. That's what we want to be. In fact, the Bible tells us that because of this one and true begotten son and his death and resurrection, he brings many, many sons to glory. So we get to have the privilege of being called sons. It's a privilege because of the one and true begotten son of God. So you're not just a servant if you trust and believe in Jesus and you're giving your life to him. So, so in closing, I just want to say to those two groups of people, you, you might have come to Jesus with all your stuff. Yo, listen, what the author of Hebrews is telling us in chapter 3 is let it go. Jesus is the one who's going to fill you. You'll come as, as empty as, 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 as you are, right? Drop all of it. Let go of all the lust. Let go of all the gossip. Let go of all the lying. Let go of all the, 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 the backbiting. Let go of all yo, the cravings. Let go of, of trying to idolize uh, artists, idolizing uh, fashion icons, idolizing your teachers, idolizing education, idolizing your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, idolizing your friends, idolizing your parents, whatever it is. Let go of it. And here's what I mean practically. I, that, that there's just a sense of commitment from you that you wholeheartedly want to give your life to Jesus because you know that Jesus is better. Yes, you might be 15. Yes, you might be 12. Yes, you might be 17. Yes, you might be 18. And most people will say, well, you haven't lived quite um, a lot. Well, listen, in God's economy, timing all belongs to him. All you know right now is that Jesus is better than anything that you've tried, right? You know that for a fact, even if you've lived for 12 years, you've tried a bunch of things and you know that the world is not what it, it presents itself to be. It's not as perfect as, as the media presents it to be as much as you want to believe that as well. The world is not as perfect as our friends tell us that it is. You know how sometimes you look at people's life and you think, dang, man, that person is really living up like he's really living a good life. But you actually don't know what's happening behind closed doors at his house. Right? Some families are broken, but on the streets, they look perfect. They look good. Everything is, is uh, on, on point. But you know, behind closed doors, things are just falling apart. You don't know. Right? Right? You don't know what's happening, but you've heard of many of those stories. So the point is, at least you know that life is not as perfect as people want us to believe that it is. You've struggled with your own anxiety. You've struggled with lust. You've struggled with lying. You've struggled with many sins. So you know just from your own heart, assessing that, that it's not all that cushy, perfect, mushy, you know, candy floss type life. You know that life can get real. So it doesn't matter how old you are, right? Practically what that means is give yourself wholeheartedly to Jesus now. Yes, you'll struggle with lying. Yes, you'll struggle with lust. Yes, the struggle will be there because we're living in the here but not now. Right? That we know that God has fully redeemed us but has left us in this earth where there's still darkness, there's still sin, there's still fallenness, there's still all the things that we are dealing with. But you would still live with all of that knowing that your fullest commitment is in Jesus. Knowing that even when you do fall and stumble, you'll be reminded to consider all that is true about Jesus and you'll want to go back to him again and and cry, Abba, Father, please forgive me, take me, cleanse me with the blood of Jesus. So come to him and let go of all that other stuff. 
Come to him. If there is already a tugging, if there is already a, a desire, a sense that you want to come to him, but you're still holding on, yo, let go of all that stuff. Just come. Give your life to him today. Consider him. Why? Because he's counted more worthy than anything else in this world. And he gives you confidence. Boast in that hope that you have in Jesus today. Come to Christ. Come to Jesus. Why? Because he's better. But for some of us, we don't want to come at all. What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for the latest iPhone? You'll, You'll get the latest iPhone and then in two months they'll release another one. What are you waiting for? Well, I'm waiting for another pair of Jordans. You'll get that and in three months they'll release another one. Well, what are you waiting for? Well, I'm just, you know, if I, if I could get like the, the perfect partner right now, you know, like even now, bro, like, you know, even, even though I'm 16, like, you know, if I could just get like the one chick, bro, and I know that chick is going to be my wife and I can settle with her. Yo, bro, listen, you're 16. Don't try and be stupid. Like, just give your life to Jesus now. All right. Don't try and bet your entire eternity based on somebody else. Don't do that. You're gambling with what's not yours. All right. Give your life to Jesus today. What are you waiting for? Well, I'm just waiting, you know, that I could get like the right marks and then like I'll give my life to Jesus. Well, you'll get the right marks and then you'll fall off the following year. What happens then? You get the right marks and God forbid you get into an accident and you can't study anymore. What happens then? What are you waiting for? Give your life to Jesus now. Yo, man, I'm, I'm still trying to explore, you know, like this, this, this thing that I have, like whatever it is, like I have, I have this, this gift of music and I just want to, you know, I just want to rap about anything else and then I'll give my life to Jesus like when I'm done playing with the world. Yo, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Give your life to Jesus today. Don't gamble with what's not yours. The breath that you have in your lungs right now is not yours, bro. It's not yours. It's not. Give your life to Jesus today. It belongs to him. You just need to know yourself and confirm it in your heart and let it go to him before he comes and claims it. What are you waiting for? Give your life to Jesus because he is indeed better than anything that you can pin against him. Yo, I'm going to pray for us that we may do exactly that so that we may have genuine hope. We may have boasting that is glorious unto God and not just boasting that's going to last for a couple of seconds, a couple of minutes, a couple of years, and it means nothing in light of eternity. Just give your life to Jesus today because he is indeed better than anything. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you so much for all that you are, an apostle, high priest, faithful son, the builder of the house, a king who rules and reigns and is in charge of everything. We want to thank you that you are better, better than all that you've invented, better than all that you've created. You are a creator God. You are an inventing God. You are just supreme, awesome, great, wonderful, holy. You just leave us in awe, Lord. I pray for those, Lord, who don't know you, that they may come to this realization of how much you are, how precious you are, Lord, and just how how amazing you are. And that it may capture their hearts and that they may surrender their hearts to you, Lord, as a result. And for us who are Christians who have forgotten how amazing you are, pray, Father, that we are reminded today 
And so, therefore, we need to turn away from all the other things in this world, Lord, and give our lives to you, Father. I pray that you may help us with this. In the precious and holy name, your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen. Yo, guys, thank you so much for joining us in the series of Hebrews. I hope it did really do something for you, that you learned a lot about who Jesus is, who you are. And for those who are not Christians, I hope that you you really gave your life to Jesus, that as we were preaching week by week, that you really heard him speak to you in your heart and that the Holy Spirit was, was tugging at the strings in your heart to, uh, to really just get you to surrender to him and that you will surrender. Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait for, for, for anything else. In fact, switch off this video right now. Go pray and ask God to come into your heart. Ask him to take control of your life and be the captain who rules and reigns and directs your destiny. I, I hope that it would be true of you. And so with that said, man, thank you again. Please do follow us on our TikTok. There's daily devotions there. So it's something to keep you encouraged with. Follow us on our Instagram. Go check out all the other sermons that we've been doing since lockdown on our YouTube page that you're currently on right now. So do that, man. Be encouraged. Get in contact with us. If you want to know more about Christ, you want to chat more. There's plenty of other leaders. It's just not me and Gareth that you've been seeing on screen. But there's many, many, many other leaders, girls and guys who are really just who want to get to know you, who want to serve you, who want to share Jesus with you, who want to walk with you and disciple you through life as you read the Bible together. So hit us up right? and let your friends know um, if they're not in any church uh, or if you really just want to share Jesus with them. Right? With that said, man, see you on the flip. Right? Peace.